This week, Music Biz Weekly podcast digs into playlisting and streaming promotions. Everybody, small or large, wants to listen to this one because everybody's all about playlisting these days. And it's a touchy area. There's a lot of scam companies out there. Yeah. And we've got a guest from a legit company who's going to give us the inside scoop of what's going on with playlists. Welcome to the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, founded in 2011 and with over 500 weekly episodes, where Michael Brandvold and Jay Gilbert, two longtime music industry pros, discuss the very latest trends, tools, and tactics that you need to succeed in this Build new- a stunning band website in minutes with Bandzoogle. Go to bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We're back. We were off for a couple weeks. There was some travel, some vacation. Yeah, you know, business kind of gets in the way. But but I don't feel so bad because before we missed a couple of weeks, we had a couple of weeks where we doubled up on episodes as well. So we, oh, we had a couple of weeks yeah, of two episodes out. a week. Yeah. So um, we have an incredible discussion ahead of us here. It's going to be all about legitimate playlisting, streaming promotions. That's kind of a tease as to who's here. Um, and especially red flags and what to look for so you avoid getting scammed by these huge numbers of scam companies out there trying to sell you streams and playlists so you got to stick around for that but before we get to that uh just a big thank you to bruce and everybody at hypebot and bands in town for your incredible support don't forget please join us over at the artist community on bandsintown.com you can get there real easily by just going to bandsintown.musicbizweeklypodcast.com. It is an incredible resource for asking questions and getting help from people in the industry. So it's free to join. Come on over, ask your questions, have some discussions. But thank you so much to our sponsors, Banzoogle.com. Banzoogle makes it super easy to build a stunning website and online store for your music in minutes. All the features you need are already built in, including dozens of fully customizable templates, tools to sell music and merch and tickets commission-free, which by the way, they just recently passed $100 million in commission-free yeah. payouts to artists. Incredible. Think about that. No commissions on that. Um, They offer mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters. Of course, integrations with Bandcamp, SoundCloud, YouTube, Bands in Town, and more. So you can easily add content from your other online profiles. And of course, Bandzoogle's got some amazing tech support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Plans at Bandzoogle start at just $8.29 a month, which includes hosting and your own free custom domain name. Music Biz Weekly podcast listeners, head over to bandzoogle.com, sign up and try it for free for 30 days and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY, all one word, and you'll get 15% off the first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com, promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY. And of course, discmakers.com. We know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's musicians. Digital royalty payments can be so small that selling products like CD and vinyl at gigs and online has become such an important income generator. 
for every CD you sell at a gig, you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. And that's a lot of streams. That's a lot of marketing. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl and USB drives. We've got a great offer we put together for you. Head over to discmakers.com, place an order for 100 or more CDs. And when you check out, use the promo code FREEBIZ, all one word, FREEBIZ, you'll save up to $150 in shipping costs. Nice. Jay, who's joining us this week? You are right, Michael. We have a, uh, an amazing guest uh, today. Um, it's Michael Sloan. He is the founder of Streaming Promotions. He's got tremendous experience in the business, and he's also an adjunct uh, professor at Belmont University. Um, you, you don't want to miss this one. So let it roll. We'll see you at the end. Podcast.com. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow and rate us on Spotify. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate your support. Today, we are joined by Michael Sloan. Uh, Michael is a founder of Streaming Promotions, recently acquired by Symphonic Distribution and an adjunct professor at Belmont University. Uh, Michael, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Uh, I, I love your experience. Um, I think that uh, there are a lot of areas we can touch on today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's varied experience. So uh, I'm sure we'll find something. Well, let's start with Symph or not symphonic. Let's start with streaming promotions because before um, symphonic acquired streaming promotions, I had done many campaigns uh, with, with uh, the company. And um, so you co-founded it, right? I did. So, I mean, I came out of big machine label group. Um, on, on the heels of 1989, uh, really anything we've heard of and no, just some <laughs> tiny release. Um, so it was, I was very, uh, pro consumption, um, in an era that it may not have been, uh, the, the, the most shined upon. Um, there were a lot of issues with songwriters and publishers, um, that I was familiar with. So I was, you know, in meetings with, uh, with, with Spotify around how to try to solve some of those problems. Um, and ended up not taking a position there, uh, strictly because I, I, you, you have congressional issues, not, not necessarily music industry issues. <laughs> I can't yeah. get you more money right now. Um, but through that, I got to learn a lot about what was happening um, algorithmically within Spotify and what they had plans for individualized uh, curation and playlists. Um, and obviously was, was close to Jay Frank, uh, rest his soul. And yeah. he had just been acquired by Universal I was like, man, maybe there's more market share here uh, for things that were that bigger than Jay. Um, and I, I ran into a guy named Charles Alexander in town. Um, I know Charles, Charles sure. Uh, Charles had some clients that he was trying to work through uh, user-generated playlists. Um, I heard him do a speech and asked him to call me the next day. And I thought, I think there's there's more to this than just the clients that you can handle from a, from a managerial standpoint. Um, I was like, let's try to, you know, throw some gas on this thing and see what works. I've got a pretty decent Rolodex and um, we went to town on it early days. I mean, there was still access at the time to editorial playlists, of course. Yeah. There weren't so many, the playlisters that were third party that had large followings were huge and those that weren't, weren't. So there was a, a really small uh, community and Charles had most of those relationships, which was great. Um, so we leveraged that early days. And then obviously as the platform exploded and grew, um, you know, I, I had to hire on staff um, to begin to research and go find some of those new curators, those larger sure. playlists, um, and the ones that were growing. And as we lost more and more touch with editorial, 
um, it, shout out Doug Ford, um, that we just knew that we weren't, they, those guys were getting blown up from label to manager to artists themselves. And we realized as a third party, uh, it was going to be a tough sell. Um, so I completely pivoted uh, after a phone call and went all third party, all research, all into what is this community of users doing and how are they growing in the space? Um, and just hired a workforce. I mean, our, our thing all along was there's nothing we're doing you couldn't do. It's just that I've got a, a staff dedicated to it, you know, 40 yeah. hours a week and there's five or six of them. So um, just That's really right. try to get as much out as we could and just took a like really staunch approach to pay for placement or aggregated playlists or anything that looked like it could be uh, the, the payola word, um, even though, you know, no FCC regulation there, but definitely payola, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, you know? Exactly, uh, exactly. So we just try to steer clear of that um, and be on the up and up as best we could um, and just yeah. kept growing through. I mean, I guess that was, we, we launched the company in uh, eight years ago. So what, uh, 15? Um, yeah. And just have just been trudging along ever since through all the ebbs and flows and twists. Well, yeah. so, so Michael, you know, we could, as, as I'm thinking about what do we talk about for the next 30 minutes, I can say right now, we could easily sit down and plan out a two hour webinar sure. on this topic because, you know, Jay and I will joke, but it's serious all the time. Things change so fast in this industry now. And, and the thing that changes probably faster than anything are these streaming services and, and playlisting within stream, the streaming service world. Um, but maybe for our listeners in this, this 30 minutes we've got here, where, where is streaming and more specifically playlisting today? Because Jay and I, you know, the, one of the number one things clients will always bring to us is, all right, how do I get on playlists? I've seen these websites over here or, you know, they'll send me a website all the time. What do you think about this website? And I look at it. It's like immediately, you know, all the red bells go off for me. It's like scam, the scam, guarantee scam, scam. is everywhere, right? Gu guarantee and PayPal. It's like yeah. scam, 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 scam. Sure. Um, but how is, how is this world evolving today versus where it was? I mean, you know, eight years ago, it was a completely different world. It was a, it was probably more quote legit because they had these companies hadn't discovered the, the gold mine that they could set up all these websites and immediately just say, PayPal me 50 bucks sure. and sorry, nothing happened. What is, what is the playlisting world looking like today and where is it going, especially for artists who aren't big, aren't established, don't have the team that can sit here and go, uh-uh-uh, we got to avoid that. If you want to do this legitimately, there are legitimate ways, but it's going to cost you more than 50 bucks on PayPal to do it right. legitimately. Yeah, I mean, I think um, the big thing when you look at big artists and you look at the editorial playlists, um, you'll see a lion's share of that being major label or established acts. Um, so I think the playlisting world for the independent world, uh, which is the lion's share of the releases, but maybe not the lion's share of the streams, um, is all around like individualized, you know, th these algorithmic lists that are going out to your users. What's your monthly listener number? Who is your audience and how are you growing that audience? Even in a small way, 
because those that small way is going to be impacting the larger and larger audiences you're reaching through algorithms, right? So, if so are you, are you from, by, by by algorithms? Are you talking about a user's release radar playlist, release radar, Discover Weekly, new, yeah, all that stuff. So the radio right. functionality, all that's going to impact the artist. So you know, we'll do campaigns with some artists that have. 10,000 monthly listeners, let's say, as, as a smaller artist, not, not a giant audience, but an audience. If we can get, grow that thing from 10,000 to 15,000 monthly listeners, you've increased, increased the audience by which those 15,000 people are attached to uh, exponentially. So you're going to be on release radars of people most like these 10,000 to 15,000 fans that you currently have. So, the, I mean, the thing for these independent artists is continuing to grind and grow that monthly listener count in a legitimate way that is, you want those users to have a similar taste in music to, to what you were releasing um, and not, there, there's a lot of the $50 pay for play stuff um, where you'll get put on a playlist of, 40, of top 40 songs, which is gonna completely skew what your audience looks like, which means that you're gonna really corrupt what you're trying to do for next release and who's trying to listen to that music. And you'll see a lot of artists just tank their monthly listener count because they don't necessarily have the same audience that they've done something illegitimate or nefarious that is doing something that's uh, taking away from a, a true audience and true audience growth. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and to be, to be really clear for listeners, these algorithmic playlists, and by that, we mean playlists that are generated automatically by a computer behind the scenes. It's not a person sitting there right. adding, you can't buy your way into an algorithmic playlist. Nobody can get you, you can't pay pay them and they will add you to release radar. That's, that's not a thing. Weekly. No, it's, because those yeah. algorithms are going to be lookalike, right? So the algorithm is looking for lookalike users on, I mean, for us at Spotify specifically. So they're looking for lookalike users on Spotify. So I have a listening habit and taste and there's someone out there that's probably similar to me. The algorithm is going to say, user michael sloan is here user one is here they have similar taste in music michael sloan listened to this artist he is a monthly listener of this artist i'm now going to serve this song or this type of music to user one right right um to give some type of lookalike or mimicry artist mimicry sharing where i'm not having to share it as a human to user one spotify is understanding that my listening habits are similar to user one and it's doing that you know at mass so yeah upon yeah so, so profile so all of us, the three of us, and every everybody listening and watching to the show has Release Radar and Discover Weekly and all these other playlists, but they're going to be uniquely different for every single right. person. Now, that's not to say there couldn't be same songs on there if we have the same listening habits, but there's always going to be something uniquely different, which again goes back to there is not a person that curates and says, we're going to add Jay Gilbert's new track to the release radar for everybody on Spotify. Right. Because, you know, I'm sure we all know this and maybe our listeners don't. There are services that will try and tell you, we'll get you added to release radar. They will. Um, yeah. and there's, it's the moment that Spotify shares uh, the, the, the what's underneath the hood on the algorithm. Uh, I promise that I will be the first not to tell you guys because uh, I'm going to leverage that to the best of our abilities. Um, right. but it's, there is some secret sauce in there, right? There's, sure. but it's unique to every single user. Um, I can release a track and it's not going to go to everyone. It's going to go to 
probably my monthly listeners, and then the lookalike accounts um, of my monthly listeners to try to grow my audience. I mean, that's that's Spotify's. Right. <laughs> that, that's what they're. That's the way they're trying to operate. They want to grow that way. They want yeah. you to stay on the platform longer. They want you to listen more. Absolutely. So music that you like. Yeah, and you know they'll you'll hear these promises of oh well we can get you in you know DSP curated playlists you know and if you meet with a lot of publicists and radio promotion people today in order to survive they're bringing to the table this playlist promotion stuff and sometimes there's bots and spin farms you know involved in it sometimes not but I think the only way that it's really legit is when you have what you're talking about, which is really a network of real users that are actually listening. And I always tell people that before we release music, I know more about it than you do. I know more about it than anybody. I know, you know, all the players on it. I know if there's a tour, if there are press hits, if there's syncs coming up. But once I release that, now the DSPs like Spotify, they know more about it than I do. Right. They know who's spinning it, who's skipping it, who's replaying it, where they're at, what device. We could go on for hours, right? So when you talk about this data, it is a mountain of data that they know a lot about what listeners like and what they probably will like. Because I don't know about you guys, but my my release radar, Discover Weekly, radio, they're pretty good at they're really good. stuff. I've got a ten-year-old, so mine sometimes skewed. Uh, I was just, I was just gonna bring, I was gonna bring that little factor up because I've got a nine-year-old as well. And and if you want to keep your Spotify playlist algorithms clean, clean to what you like, don't let your daughter listen to Frozen over and over and over and over again for three days in a row, because Spotify doesn't know that's the nine-year-old daughter. They just know this account is listening to that. So we're going to give yeah. them more kids music. And, yeah. and I I've seen, I've, in. <laughs> yeah, I I, 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 in an Airbnb once. Uh, and uh, apparently I've, I've been, I've been trying to rid myself of reggaeton. Not that I don't love reggaeton, <laughs> but uh, yep. it was right. permeating I mean, my so list for a long time. If, if you as a user keep your, your, your use of Spotify clean and unique to yourself, these playlists built on algorithms are absolutely fantastic in Spotify. I think I don't think there's a DSP that has a as a does a better job, in my personal opinion, of building these custom playlists that I, I'm still to this day, I'm like, how the hell did they know I would like that? I've never heard of this band, but it's right. perfect for me. And it's a band 40 years old. But you gotta keep it, you gotta keep your playing clean to yourself. But uh, you know, Michael, what I what I would love to get from you, somebody who's been in this world from day one, what are some of the red flags users should watch out for when, you know, Jay and I are constantly emailing each other these emails we get. Hey, Spotify for Artists just selected you to be your music to be added. And I'm like, well, I've never released music. And you open up the email and, oh, it's just a scam to say, click here and buy what are red flags that that any artist should immediately go, this is not going to deliver the goods and it's going to end up hurting me? I, almost, I mean, it's almost always the word guarantee. Um, anything that guarantees, I mean, you guys know the business, like anything in, in this business that says the word guarantee associated with it is usually a giant red flag. <laughs> so if I'm guaranteeing you a number of placements, if I'm guaranteeing you ads to specific playlists, tells me one of two things. First, 
you've got somebody on the take. So somebody's got their hand out and you're paying them to add the music. Um, and the second is then if you're guaranteeing, you own the list, like you've aggregated with others to, to set up some type of consortium to add these songs. Most likely you're, up, up, you're on top of that botting those tracks to make sure that you're getting anything that guarantees a certain number of spins, anything that guarantees a certain number of monthly listeners, anything that guarantees just about anything. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm 20 years deep in this business and I've never seen anyone be able to truly guarantee anything. Uh, right. Even sometimes the guarantees for shows, <laughs> you know, like it, it's, it's wild to see this digitized world where I can guarantee you a certain number of ad added Instagram followers or social media followers or to, you know, you can do some of that stuff because they're hands out and those are influencers and that market works completely different from the music industry. Anything guaranteed in the space is just, it's fool's gold. And then yeah. even if those things that they guaranteed happened, I promise you once, once you turn the faucet off, once the money stops flowing, it stops, it stops and it's gone. And there's nothing you can do worse on yeah. a monthly listener account than to peek it here and then tank it because it, yeah. And that's the, good the advice. Platform's gonna punish you for it. Yeah. And it's so easy to find, you know, when someone's using bots, spin farms, you know, you look at the data and you see their numbers go up usually for a week or two, and then they go right back down to where they were. And then you look at the engagement and it didn't peak. So we always tell people, don't, don't do it. It's only going to hurt you. It could get you pulled off of a, a DSP. What has, I'd love to find yeah. out from you, Michael, for those that don't know, um, talk a little bit about streaming promotions. Is it as simple as you created a network of user curators and you have them kind of separated maybe by genre and mood. How does, how does that work? Like if someone came to uh, streaming promotions said, I have this song, I think it's amazing. I just want to get it in front of people. What, what happens? So the people come to us, um, you know, we, again, I am, I'm much more profile oriented than uh, single oriented. Another good red flag for you. Uh, somebody saying they're just going to represent one song. Uh, it's easy to fake it for one song. So we work up to five tracks because um, I want to make sure that I'm doing the artist as a whole uh, the best I can. But they'll come to us and, you know, our pitch is pretty simple. We have a network of curators, some of which we work with for eight years. Um, and many of them that we're still researching and finding uh, as we go, uh, they've been selected in a way that if they've ever asked us for money, like on a do not resuscitate. If we know they've sold their playlist to someone else, we've typically tried to figure typically typically try to figure out who that was, um, and then remove them from. So it's we're active with about three to four thousand at any given time. Wow, um, that's a lot. But I've got a, a staff of four that are doing nothing but having or three that are having nothing but conversation with those folks, and then two folks that are doing nothing but researching new lists that are growing. So, you know, our efforts are, again, there's nothing we're doing that an individual artist couldn't do themselves or a team couldn't do themselves. It just, just takes a lot of time. time. Yeah. Absolutely. User reverse engineering, figuring out where they are on social media, trying to match up profile pictures. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not easy to find the owner of a playlist anymore. I mean, it used year, to be year, year, years, years ago. ago, in the olden days of ye old Spotify, you used to be able to internally message playlist yeah. owners and account owners. And that, that was sort of the way to go about doing it. Now, to your point, you take their username on Spotify and you start with a Google search. And is that the same name they have on their Twitter account? And then... Does the Twitter account lead to a website that's got content? It's it's a lot of investigative reward yeah. work. 
one one thing I wanted to ask or, or at least confirm real quick for our listeners is because you mentioned this a couple times. If a playlist says asks for money and you you know you like brush them off and you don't work with them, payola as you mentioned is not does not apply to streaming at this. It only applies to terrestrial radio, which is right. paying for placement on a radio station. Um, so it's not illegal in the streaming world, but paying to be added to a playlist, paying a playlist owner any amount of money to add you is against the terms of service Correct. of <laughs> Spotify. So in a sense, it is it is illegal like payola. It just happens to be only at Spotify's level. Each DSP is going to have their own rules of what they permit to happen. So in the case of Spotify, if you pay somebody even 10 bucks, buddy, my buddy who's got a playlist, here's 10 bucks, add me. If Spotify finds out you did that, they could, to Jay's point, actually go to the extreme and remove the artist forever from the Which is the what DSP. I think is wild, right? They take the artist down as opposed to what I feel like is the, is the party that's really in the wrong. <laughs> the, 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 the person who's selling it. And they don't do a very good job policing that at all. And we have data on data on data of users we know are asking for money. And I'd be happy to turn all that over uh, if they're so inclined. But um, yeah, I mean, it's in violation of the terms and service and, and user license agreement. Basically what Spotify is saying is you as a user can combine things in the playlist, but that doesn't mean you own the playlist. You're just utilizing our platform yeah. to aggregate into one spot of the songs you like. We still yeah. own the service. It's still our thing, you know? There's only one thing I would add to that conversation about payola versus playola. It's not illegal to pay for radio airplay. It's illegal if you don't disclose it. So if you say, I'm going to have this radio station play the song, as long as they disclose, look, this is like a paid ad. We've been paid to do this. It's perfectly legal in the United States. And I'm wondering if we get to a point with streaming where it has to be designated, like, look, this playlist, people are paying to be a part of this playlist. Because what I wonder is, do they have engagement? Do they have monthly listeners? And are they... Like there's an A&R bar with streaming promotions, right? And if if someone's dropping just anything in, into a playlist, that's problematic. But if there's an A&R bar there and they have, you know, a lot of monthly listeners, you see where I'm going? I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think I've always thought, um, you know, we used to all bitch and moan about A&R and like how tough it was to meet, get past the gatekeepers at labels and, and be able to get our music distributed. Well, obviously that has more or less gone away. But now we pine for the days where it's really hard to sift through the amount of the torrent oh of music that's coming our way these days. Yeah. Um, and I have no qualms with an open market, right? Like if if that's the way we're going to treat it, as long as it's disclosed, hey, we paid to get on here, I might give it 15 seconds. But if it's terrible, I'm going to skip it. But right. let's just all just be open about it. I mean, as to how, how things are functioning and working. Um, but if we're going to police it, let's police it properly um, and not allow for third parties to, to accept money and use bots. And let's, I mean, I can see from Jay, you, you said this earlier, right? I, I can see from the, from insights and, you know, some other technologies, you can look in, at chart metric and see what's botted pretty, pretty so I've got to assume Spotify has better technologies oh, absolutely. And, could, and could red flag those things really quick, but it doesn't seem to be 
Well, to your uh, point, it goes against what their goals are, which right. is to have as many people as possible streaming as much music as possible, staying on there as long as possible. You start pulling those things down and that can be problematic too, right? Sure. It's, but it's two sides of the coin. Like either we police it or we don't police it or we disclose it or we don't disclose it. Like, but let's do, I feel like as just as a, as an industry in general, we should be a little more, there's a, there's so much out there. Um, well, and the, the mud, the waters are kind of muddy. Yeah. On, on, on that topic, Michael, what, what are you seeing or what would you like to see happen? And I don't want to just put the spotlight on Spotify and DSP world in general, but Spotify is where playlists are bread and butter for so many people. Um, what what sort of policing is being done from the, the DSP side? What could they be doing? What aren't they doing? Because to your point, why penalize the artist who didn't know that I can't pay? Why not go after and track down that person who's selling it? You know, when Jay and I get these emails, how come two years later, this company is still out here literally using, in this case, Spotify logos, branding colors, branding names, calling themselves Spotify for artists, <laughs> sending that out and making money off of that. What is it going to take to go after those people to, to help clean this up? Well, I've been in technology long enough to know that that's a game of whack-a-mole, right? Like you can yep. shut them down and they'll be spun back up as something else tomorrow. Yeah. I really think it's the playlists themselves that are being added to. Um, I mean, at first, at first, I think we really got to get a handle on the botting situation um, and and kill that w wherever it may live. Um, the playlists that are aggregated and owned by others, and that's going to be another game of whack-a-mole because you can make those things uh, multi-user and people can... If one person gets axed, then they just set up a new account and add back in. Um, but, but just legitimizing it a little more in that space. Um, I don't know until hands start getting slapped a little more frequently than they are that there's really any repercussions to any of it. Um, so it's yeah. it's the Wild West still, right? I mean, I think yeah. that's, we've been saying it now for 12 years. It's the Wild it's West. It's still true, it's though, right? The Wild West. Yeah, it's still true. You know, one of the things that we we coined this phrase, uh, the company I work with, we call it the epitome of hypocrisy. And what that means is that if you ask a label distributor, a DSP, how do you get on these playlists? It comes back something like this. Well, you know, you need to have your drivers ready, your marketing plan, your advertising plan. You need to use Spotify, you know, set it up in Spotify for artists and you know, do their submission tool and you need to follow, you know, this kind of a blueprint. And what the epitome of hypocrisy is, and, and I learned this firsthand a, a couple of years ago, I was working with a very popular artist and all of a sudden I started getting uh, emails from uh, not just the label and artist relations at DSPs, but the actual curators who were huge fans. Hey, we heard this thing's coming, you know, how can I help? How can I support? How can we collaborate? That sort of thing. So as much as I'd like to say, you should go through the process the way it's designed, and you don't really go around label and artist relations right to curators, it happens. We're still fans at heart, right? Isn't that the reason we all decided to get in this business in the first place? Um, I mean, I think, yeah, there's, that, was, that was our early days, right? Eight years ago, starting this thing was just going directly to the curators that we, they were editorials. Like I knew who ran New Music Friday. I know you did as well. Um, and 
you just shot off an email to Mike and it was like, Hey man, this is yeah. coming. And I think you'd like it. And if he liked it, he would add it. And I mean, yeah. it's gotten more complex than that these days, It has. but it truly was just down to, Hey, I'm a fan of this artist. Or I'm a fan of this singer. I heard this is coming. Now yeah. that's much easier for a big name artist than it is for, you know, independent artist number one, number two. Um, yeah. But there's still, there are still enough curators within the Spotify on the editorial side and the millions of users that have their own playlists that have, I'd say yeah. there's probably 30 or 40,000 really legitimate that have 500 plus followers, you know, in the, in the user generated world, which can trigger some real engagement and get you to a place where that monthly listener number moves. So and it's quality over quantity sometimes, right? Absolutely. And let me ask you, like, there are these playlists like, you know, Universal has Digster, Sony has Filter and Radio and we has Topsify and, you know, they're kind of doing this thing too, where they have their network of playlists that, you know, doesn't just play that label group's stuff. Do you deal at all with any of those brands? Yeah, we've got relationships with all of them. Um, it was a really, it was really easy. Like with all things eight years ago, it was a really easy conversation eight years ago. Um, and then when those brands sold into, you know, the imprints, uh, it was a tougher discussion. Um, and then it I got bet. near impossible about five years ago. And you, when you looked at those playlists, they were 90 to 95% uh, label uh, specific to those, to those brands. And then the other 5% were generally published by <laughs> one of those majors. So um, we, uh, we still have those relationships. It's, it's a tougher, it's a tougher pill to, you know, a, a tougher box to crack. Um, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Because I used to be able to get on those playlists. I'd call sure. my buddy over there and say, because they were putting on other people's stuff sure. to make it a little bit more legit. And I had a, a an artist that had won a, a Grammy and I reached out and said, hey, can you guys, you know, affect some change with this? Do you like it? And they would add it. But you're right. About five, six years ago, that well ran dry. They don't it, add it, any of that yeah, stuff. It, and I think they've opened up a little more in the last yeah. six to eight months. It's just still, those are huge lists. Uh, they're owned by major corporations. Um, much like Spotify's editorial list, is a, there's a huge list owned by a major corporation. Those are going to be the harder the harder wins to get. They're not impossible, but they are harder to get. Um, yeah. I think that's why streaming promotions is always focused on, I'll get you at the aggregate, right? Uh, a thousand <laughs> or 15, uh, 10,000 follower playlists will still get you, you know, in front of that many people as opposed yeah. to one 150,000 follower playlist. And you may stay in there longer, right? And I you, mean, and you might, yeah, you're going to see a lot more churn within the Spotify editorial list because they've got to keep those things fresh because they're trying to keep engagement where I have a couple lists of a couple clients we work with early, early days that are still on those playlists from eight years wow. ago, still getting, you know, and, and it might be scoffed at 50 to hundred streams out of that playlist a day, but that's 50 to hundred playlists oh, over eight years. Eight years. Um, so, you know, we, we always joked that this business was going to become a river of pennies and man, hadn't it, you know, um, <laughs> Mike, 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 on the topic of, of editorial playlists, specifically on, on Spotify for the, for the artists that don't have a label, that's going to go pitch them directly or a distributor that takes them and does a direct pitch for the artists that are familiar with Spotify for artists, how to use that. They go in there, they submit. They fill out the form on Spotify for artists to submit a track for editorial consideration. What's the honest reality that anything happens from that? Six weeks early, at least six weeks early, 
cross your fingers, uh, say a prayer if that's your thing. Um, I mean, it's you're you're sending it out to the ether, and you've got to realize, you know, if we believe the stats to be true, we're competing with fifty thousand, forty thousand, fifty thousand tracks a day. So that's right. Uh, there is no there is no human component or organization on earth that can listen to fifty thousand songs a day. So it's going to be it's tough sledding. I mean, it's you, it's best to sign up with some larger entity, hopefully be a priority of theirs, hopefully go through whatever their editorial pitch process is. Um, yeah. You know, hopefully you find somebody, hopefully you're making great music, first of all, and hopefully somebody's yeah. buying into it and sees there to be opportunity there and puts you as a priority. You know, hopefully yeah. you're networking uh, with in the industry and it's not just, you know, you in your basement making armpit noises in the corner and submit it yeah. to Spotify <laughs> next Friday. But we I'm a big fan of armpit noises, by it, the way. Let, it, let me ask you about the follower count. One of the things that separates Spotify from a lot of other DSPs is that they put that they put that stream count right there. And there are people in the industry that would love it if that went away. You know, it sure. used to be on iTunes. You had kind of a progress bar, which showed the most popular tracks. Um, but when you have those numbers, you got people... You've got incentive now for people who want to game it. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, the game, you can game anything, right? I mean, I think there's, it's its problematic um, to wish that hard on gaming the system and try to, if it's, you want to find things that are legitimized, that are that are working, that are going to have longevity. I, I, always, I mean, I got in this business because I love the art, right? So I love, I love a good song. I love you know, something that's quality with quality recording. I think anything trying to say, and I'm going to game it on the outside for profitability in this era of our industry is just a, a little short-sighted. Um, yeah. The profit's probably not going to be that huge. And you've only gamed the system for short-term gain, probably squeezing something else out that, you know, ha had, had better legitimacy to be there in the first place. But, 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 to, but, you know, to Jay's question, if, if those stream counts were removed, wouldn't that put a hole in these third-party scam companies that are basically selling you will increase that stream count number for you now? It would increase their ability to exist. Um, you know, I think we, we then become uh, much more Nielsen and radio then, right? Like you can believe what you want to believe in that space or, you know, what's happening with my stream, with, with, with the number of spins I'm getting in Sacramento. And you kind of go by whatever's being reported. Um, but there was, that, that was, what's the audience in Sacramento? How many people actually listen to that? So was it, was it played on the radio at 2 a.m.? And right. know, who was up? So it's like Shazam data. You know, I yeah. love Shazam data, but I want to know, not that it was played in Sacramento. I want to know the donut shop it was played in where the guy Shazammed it, you know? Exactly. That's what and, I want. Who, yeah. Who, who else was, you know, give me, give me the, how many people were in there? How many people were around him? What <laughs> right, was right. Playing? I think. You know, what kind I, of donuts were they having? I I always laugh because I somehow got my start in finance and and bounced over to the music industry. But I always hated marketing because I just felt like, how many people passed that billboard? What does that even mean? Right. Um, and when things got metric and got truly transparent, and you could see down to individual user and you know how things, yeah. it became much more fascinating to me. And I, and I think that's the beauty of showing that stream count is, you know. I, I trust it to be true from Spotify. In some cases, it lets me know what's being faked and what's false and what's, you know, what's being spoofed. Yeah. Um, so it, at least you're giving me a little more inside baseball on what's really there. Um, take it away. And we're all just, we're all back yeah. to 
hype men. We're all we're all just trying. To- <laughs> well, let me interject one thing here really quickly because you know you mentioned a second ago. You know if those numbers are correct, I have two data analyst friends who have contrary views, and I've asked a lot of people the question. One of them says that when you have a play on Spotify, that it's counted after that 30 second mark that you get paid on. The other one says, no, the number, that front facing number that you see will not tie to your statements because it's based on one second, kind of that TikTok model. Do you have any uh, opinion about that? Because I I sure would like to find out what that is. I've always heard it was a 30 second mark because anything short of the 30 seconds is a skip. Um, But again, if we're trying to go off of, that's again i want to see somebody show me under the hood right like i really have an interest in you know what what categorizes a monthly listener what does that look like who is that where are they um what is this when did it it count i know it's not in real time because you can see on release week you know things are slowly catching up um and usually several days behind so when are those things when is all that when is all that data aggregating and happening how far behind is that release on the true number you know, yeah. how long, and then in that question, how long does it take those monthly listener numbers to catch up? You know, because that'd be great for our business as we're trying to grow monthly listener count. And I know we're having traction. And then it's a week later that the number starts to increase. And we're sending reports weekly trying to show that we're it's working. It's happening. We're well, that's that ahead. finance guy inside you that has right? a I know. quantitative, you know, you know, you where the revenue is coming from and you can pull the report and you know that every 24 hours or 30 days or whatever it is, you're going to get that. And it's so loosey goosey in the. The data world. The last thing I'll say on it is that I like the way Apple Music will show you in Apple Music for artists the data that you want, but it's not front facing. Yeah. I and agree. I would love to see that on Spotify too. I, I I agree. I think that data is valuable for the artist and the artist team to have, but I think a lot of times putting it out there publicly gives artists. I mean, again, we hear this all the time from artists who are like. Man, if I can get a million streams on here, I know I'm going to get a show booked. I'll get added to a tour because the agent's going to go look. He's going to see a million and he's going to do this for me. And and that's what then drives these artists to go hire scam companies to get it right away. The number goes up. They think their career is going to happen because that visible number is up. Removing that visibility from the public side, I think will help remove the desire to game the system there'll be new ways of gaming it right. obviously and we've always said to shift the gaming of the system to somewhere yeah, else yeah um, you're just i think you're probably right yeah i think the you know for an artist that is just hell-bent on getting a hundred thousand streams or a million streams um i mean i've always found that to be like that's an ego issue right like i'm doing that for me i'm not doing that because i want to go sell out a show i'm not doing that because i'm trying to build a career i'm trying to see a number I mean, it reminds me of, you know, uh, uh, lesser reputable Instagram, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to get to a certain number of followers, not because that means anything, just means they can demand more dollars from whatever they're trying to try. Right. So I don't think that that's the same way in the music business. I just think, you know, if you're trying to grind to a million streams because you want a million streams, go buy a million streams. If that's what you want to do, I promise you, it's not building you a career. I mean, no one, no, no one of repute at this point is believing that your million streams on one track and 10,000 streams on the other track makes you a legitimate artist. Yeah. Um, it's not going to put butts in the seats, right? It's not going to sell merch or any of those other things. Michael, we could talk with you all day long and I hope you'll come back on and continue the conversation before we let you go. Tell people where they can learn more about you and your wacky antics and what you're up to. 
Yeah, uh, streamingpromotions.com because uh, the domain was available when we started the company. Um, Amazing. And, right, thank you for uh, SEO there. Um, <laughs> uh, we're also uh, on Symphonic's website as well. Um, we're, I'm, I'm all over the place at MS Sloan on uh, all, all, all other social media platforms. Um, and private mostly there, but, uh, streaming promotions is, uh, is your best bet. So, so just awesome. to be clear, an artist can't, an artist that isn't distributed through symphonic Correct. can still engage with streaming. Yes. Promotions. We're still working with artists outside of the symphonic, uh, platform. I would say it's probably half and half at this point. So, yeah. um, and there's no priority given one to the other. It's, uh, we got a client, we're still. We're still yeah. working on our own little silo over there. Well, we're, we're big fans. I appreciate uh, we, that. We love Randall and the team uh, over there. Jorge, great people, great distributor. You've got a good partner there. Yeah, they've been great. And, you know, as we continue to innovate and try to make the most of this thing, um, it's been it's been a real joy to, one, attach ourselves to clientele that we know are releasing reputable music um, and uh, and, and want to grow and, and are obviously building a team and want to go out in a professional manner. Um, it's been a blast to work with those guys yeah. and uh, continue to grow things. Awesome. Thank you so much, awesome. Michael. It was Thank great you, talking Michael. to you, man. Let's do it again. Thank you. Sounds good. All right. Visit discmakers.com to place an order for 100 or more CDs. And when you check out, use promo code FREEBIZ and get free shipping up to a one. It was great getting a kind of an update of the playlisting streaming world as it is today, because yeah, I mean, that, that changes so much. And yeah. And you know, the, the scam streaming services are such a freaking problem right now. There's yeah. so many of them and they present themselves in such a way that they seem legit. They look legit. You and I share things with each other all the time where they use the Spotify logo or trademarks. And listen, I send all of those over to my friends at Spotify and they'll send a cease and desist. But the problem is, as Michael mentioned, it's whack-a-mole. They shut them, shut them down and they just pop up you know, somewhere else. And, and keep in mind, a lot of these services are run in countries outside of the U.S. on servers outside of the U.S., Right. And, you know, that pretty much puts them outside of the reach of U.S. law enforcement when it comes right. to stuff like that. I mean, they, yeah. they know that they know that deliberately that, yeah. you know, I'll set up a server in Panama because nobody's going to be able to shut me down there. So, yeah. And it's nice um, to have a legal. And when I say legal, it doesn't go against the terms of service of the DSPs. It's good to have a legal alternative like streaming promotions. And I'm glad he brought up Jay Frank because sadly Jay, Jay Frank passed away, but yep. he was the guy that started Digmark and Digspin. Yep. Started and this whole thing. Yeah. He, he, he decided in order for his label to be successful, he needed to have find out who these curators were and he built a network of it. And then later he charged for that and eventually sold his company to universal. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, a legit streaming company like Streaming Promotions is very much like a legit publicist, a legit radio promoter. They have spent years, countless hours, money building up lists of contacts and researching them and finding out who is good and who isn't good. And, and that's what you pay for when you're paying for these legitimate companies, because, you know, a lot of artists are like, I can't afford a thousand dollars. I'll give this guy 50 bucks. 
Well, yeah. this yeah. is the difference between 50 bucks and a thousand dollars is 50 bucks. There's no relationships there. It's, it's, if it's too good bots, to be true, it probably is. It, well, I wouldn't say probably it is. I mean, let's just be honest in, in, in this space, if it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true. You do not get all of this for no little to no money because let's, you know, I always say if that really worked, every single artist on the planet on every single label would spend their 50 bucks to get it and they'd be hugely successful. Yeah. And there's a reason why that doesn't happen because it doesn't work. Yeah. It's not real. Even you got to do, do it legitimately. Yeah. Even if you get the numbers, they're using bots and spin farms and just faking those. And the problem with that is those aren't real. And so you're not going to sell a concert ticket or a T-shirt or anything to those. It's just they're not going to come back. And they're not going to hit the play on the next release a year from now because, again, they're it's a real. bot. It's a yeah. bot that only hit, it's a bot that only plays what they've been paid to play. Basically, just so, avoid it. Yeah. yeah, just avoid it. Um, you know, I would say go back, give give this interview with Michael a second list and a third list. And there is a lot of great information. If you are new to this space, contemplating making that next step into I need to do a little bit more streaming playlisting promotions. Um, there's a lot to learn here. And and. My, Michael's a good source. Yeah, Michael's we should have him back source. on too. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's really sharp. Um, so I want to continue this over at the Bands in Town Artist Community. Head over to bandsintown.musicbizweekly.com. What's your experience with playlists and playlisting services? You know, if if you if you even feel up to revealing it, have you ever worked with one of these scam services? And you realized it was a scam after the fact. What was your experience? You know, because what I want us to be able to do here is help other artists avoid those types of things. And, and that just means learning from other, other people's experiences. So talk about your experience with doing playlisting and, and how do you do it? And who have you worked with and what is your results and experiences have been on that? So let's continue that over on the artist community at bands in town. And of course, uh, a big shout out to Bruce at Hypebot and everybody at bands in town for all your support. And of course, to our monthly sponsors, bandzoogle.com and discmakers.com. We thank you so much for your support month after month. Um, Jake, that's it. We will see everybody next week. And industry professionals listen to the Music Biz Weekly podcast. If you have a product or service and would like to reach this audience, get in touch with Michael or Jay to discuss sponsorship this opportunities. For Music Biz Weekly, provided by LarryDavisVoice.com and by JessicaMarsVoice.com. That's Mars with a Z.